0: as we journey through the Bible. Luke 18, we'll pick it up in verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) And so Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? For no one is good but one. That's God. Now, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery nor murder. And do not steal nor bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all of these things I've kept from my youth. And so when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yes, but you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. Please note with me, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? For it's easier for an, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, his disciples said, Then who can be saved? And he said, Well, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Pete said, See, we have left all and followed you. And he said, Assuredly I say to you, and there was no one who has left house or parent or brother or wife or, ch- or children. For the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come in eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time. Lord, we thank you for those serving. We thank you for those able to watch us over the internet and over our radio station. Lord, we pray for uh, Camp Arrowwood that Lord, that you would continue to lay it on people's heart, Lord, to give to that not only financially, but uh, just their labor. And we pray, Lord, that that facility would be used for young people as well as adults to come aside and get quiet for a while, be still and know that you are God. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to show those around that community what God can do with a little in the hands of faithful servants. So, Lord, spend time with us once again. And Lord, that we would have ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see two different people today. We're going to see the rich young ruler. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about him. So he's well uh, well known, the rich young ruler. And then at the end today, we're going to look at blind Bartimaeus, who had nothing and yet then gained everything. So here in the beginning, we have somebody who has gained everything and at the end of it has nothing. Goodbye. I mean, isn't that just great? That's just how it is in this section of Scripture. Very uh, short and concise of what God can do in the lives of two people. Listen, the first one, as we will see, is somebody who just doesn't want to yield to the things of the earth. And at the end, we see someone who had nothing to yield to begin with. So anything that God gave him was a blessing. Amen? Amen. Now, there was a certain ruler who asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit this eternal life? Listen, many have seen this guy from all three Gospels. Maybe you know who this is. He is called the rich young ruler. It is that person in whom the world has elevated as the person to be. Number one, he was young. He's young, he's rich, and he's a ruler. He has power. Three things the world says are important, and if you have them, that you will be happy. And yet this young man knows that he is still lacking something. It also tells us that you can be still very religious and not have a true relationship with God. Because as we will see, he says, I have done all of these things from my youth. And at the end of the day, Jesus knows exactly his sin problem. You see, we all have that issue, and we'll see how Jesus uh, deals with it. But at the end of the day, he is just dishonest with himself. Because if he really wanted to to know and to have eternal life, then he would have came to Jesus saying, Lord, literally, uh, like, as we will see, Zacchaeus, who was what? A wee little man. We're not going to get into the song yet. Zacchaeus had a totally different... He was wealthy and he was ready, already to give it away when he had Jesus into his house. Here is somebody who comes to Jesus... Kind of wanting to know what else he can do, what he can do. And at the end of the day, Jesus says, hey, man, it's a, it's a heart issue. And that's the same for us. Remember, not to be religious, but to have a relationship. Now, know with me in verse 18 that he says, good teacher. Now, Jesus picks up on this, and this is interesting to me because the way that Jesus starts this conversation is pointing the person who is asking the question to God himself. So are you coming to Jesus just thinking that he is a good rabbi, a good teacher, he's got a lot of good things to say, or are you coming to him knowing who he is? Now, note with me, in verse 19, Jesus says, why do you call me good? (laughs) Don't you think that's interesting? Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now, in this day, again, the context is everything. The Jews taught that only God was good. No one would ever call somebody a good rabbi, a good teacher, unless they knew that it was God. Now, this one says, hey, (laughs) good teacher. And Jesus stops him and says, now, wait a minute. Are you really calling me who you uh, think that I am? Because I truly am God. Therefore, if I am God, then you must, well, as we will see, lay down those things that are in the innermost parts. Know with me in verse 20 that Jesus takes him to the law and he says, Do you know the commandments? And, of course, he would have because he is a ruler. That means a ruler possibly of a synagogue. So he would have known these things. He's a good Jewish boy from 12 on going to Hebrew school. And Jesus says, notice he quotes from the second part of the law, Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And honor your father and your mother. Which commandment did he leave out? It is the last one. Thou shalt not covet. Now, isn't that interesting? Because that's going to be his issue. Jesus won't beat him up about it, but he leaves it out purposely. Now, know with me his response. He says, well, all these things I have kept from my youth. And from his perspective, he probably did. He probably was a good Jewish boy, just like Paul the Apostle, who said, I've kept all these things. And then Paul says, when he came to the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. Paul says, I knew that I was sunk at that point because that was an inner heart issue. It wasn't something external. God can get everybody, no matter where you are, he knows that area in your life that you need to get get away from. Now, Jesus says in verse 22, So when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, please note with me, and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. No doubt the young man sincerely tried to keep the law as a Jew. In fact, this may have been what brought him ultimately to Jesus because even in your religion or trying to keep your religion there is an emptiness to it because you simply don't have that right relationship with God you're doing everything that you think that you're supposed to do and yet you still feel empty and again this is this is what happens with religious people and not having a true relationship with God. So, and in fact, he's coming to Jesus. Jesus again did not quote to him uh, the law as a means of salvation, but as a mirror. Paul talks about how the law is to show us our need. So we the, the law isn't there to be kept it's to show us that we can well never keep it. And so it was a mirror. He held the law before the young man as a mirror to reveal his sins. But the young man looked into the mirror and would not see the stains and the blemish of his own life. That's why Jesus says, you must take the plank out of your eye, the telephone pole, before you can see the speck in your brother's eye. We always see sins greater in somebody else. Amen? Like you never do that. Our sins are always greater on somebody else. And so Jesus says, listen, in order to have an open dialogue with the Creator, with the Heavenly Father, we must be real with God. And that's exactly what the law does. When Jesus quoted from the second tablet of the law, again, he did not quote the last commandment, thou shalt not covet, because Jesus knew the man's heart. He knows everybody's heart in the room. He knows your area today. And so instead of preaching to him about covetousness, he asked him to do something that somebody who is a coveter would never do. Did you see that? Jesus is brilliant. Anyone else? Just the way, wouldn't you love to just be Jesus? Yes, you would. In the, not in the I'm God, in the way that you deal with people in those conversations. You ever go away from a conversation, you're like, oh, I should have said that. 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 Jesus never had a I should have said that moment. Everybody? Everybody? He never had that. It was always perfect. He knew what he was doing. And what he is going to do is draw out this covetous man's heart. And he's going to blow his mind by this statement. Notice that he says, you still lack one thing. Though the man had everything, riches, again, an outward religious life, he had respect and prestige, he had power, He had youth, and yet Jesus could say to him, you still lack one thing. The man had everything, but knew that he did not have. This is what's interesting to me. He knew that he did not have eternal life. So he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, in effect, he really had nothing, amen? He had everything, but he had nothing. In Mark's recording of this incident, he adds one thing that Luke leaves out. Mark says in Mark 10, verse 21, I'll read it to you. Mark says, then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him. So at this point, Jesus sees and loves this religious man, (laughs) this sinner. Jesus was filled with compassion with a loving compassion for this man because he was, are you ready for it, empty. He was doing everything that he thought. Pause. How many of you have ever been there with God? Like, I'm doing it all, and I'm empty. What's wrong? Because we're doing it. It can be very frustrating. I, I, I encourage people all the time when you're in service in any kind of ministry here at Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach or wherever you are, if you're doing it in your flesh, you will eventually get tired of doing it in your flesh. Then you'll get tired because somebody didn't pat you on the back on the way that you folded that, that you know, toilet paper in the roll. By the way, whoever does that each, we're on this rotation. There's somebody. I'm not, I want to steal their, their toilet paper thunder. I'm not here to steal anybody's toilet paper, but they make a rose out of the toilet paper roll. It is the most beautiful thing for a moment. (laughs) But I think to myself, there's somebody who cares about what they're doing when they're putting that toilet paper in the stall right on. If we all acted like the rose toilet paper person, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is going to go viral. Seriously, if we had that kind of, I am doing something that seems insignificant for everyone else, but I I want to put a rose on the toilet. I mean, do you see that? If we all had that kind of heart. It said Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus was filled with loving compassion for this man because his life was so empty. He had climbed the top of the ladder of success only to find that the ladder was leaning on the wrong building. That's life. And that's religion. And if it's not based on Jesus, that's why Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? If I'm Lord God Almighty, then you need to listen to what I have to say. (laughs) Well, but when this, um, that's right, verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful because, please note with me, Luke says here, he was very rich. The rich young ruler is a warning to people who want a Christian faith but it does not change their values or upset their lifestyle. Oh, they want that <laughs> get-out-of-hell-free card. Just in case you Christians are right, I need some insurance. I want some fire insurance. And yet they don't want to live that life. It is a warning to Christians. Jesus does not command every seeking sinner to sell everything and give it to the poor. But he does put his finger on the conviction of everybody's life in some area, and he wants us to be honest with him, not dishonest. Because in a way, this young man is coming to Jesus dishonestly, and he didn't reveal to him everything. When you repent and you come to Christ, and then years later, continually come to him and to repent and to ask for forgiveness. Because there are areas in your life that he is, uh, that he is still working on. How many of you have been walking with the Lord? Let's do some, some numbers here, over 25 years. Okay, is God done with you or are you perfect? Can I, can I show the perfect hands? Only one, you're going to hell. No one is perfect. And God continues to work on us. Why? Because we live on planet earth. We are all sinners. Oh, we're going to heaven and I'm excited hopefully soon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All I got to say is, "Mm mm-hmm, that's about it right now oh, where did I, oh, he went away sorrowful. I was just, sorry, I was just drowning in my, by the way, I was, re, I was Pat and I were up here, we were reading this psalm, and I said it, in verse five, it says, I laid down and slept, and I'm like, that's what happened to me on, on Tuesday night. I laid down and slept, but I awoke, and the Lord sustained me. Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah, I don't, whatever, yeah, but, <laughs> Lord, at the end of the day, I'm going home with you, because you're my commander-in-chief for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God again Jesus makes it clear riches are an obstacle to the kingdom of God they are not an insurmountable obstacle but they are an obstacle nonetheless now look we usually think that poverty is a problem But the Bible says riches can be a problem. Now listen, wealth in and of itself is not a problem because David was wealthy, Abraham was wealthy. There were many wealthy people that God blessed in the Bible and continue to do that today. The reason why he gives wealth, and the Bible specifically says this, he gives wealth to whoever he chooses is because I believe, we'll, we'll talk about it later in the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven, I believe it's because that person can handle that. You're like, well, could I try it out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lord, I don't, I mean, I'll give it a try. <laughs> but he knows you would not be in church if you had that. I know that. You know who you are. I hope you do by now. (laughs) You know uh, that you would have some, you know, golf cart that's jacked up and lights and everything. And again, we usually think that poverty is a problem, but Jesus reminds us that riches may present a much more serious problem. Riches are dangerous because they tend to make us satisfied with this life instead of longing for the age to come. Listen, I don't want to get deep into this because I have vowed to just kind of not talk about this until it's all done. Amen. I'm just, just stop watching news, by the way. Just stop it. Amen. Let's have a little media fat. I don't believe them at all anyway, ever. Why do they get to call an election? All right. I told you I wasn't gonna go down there. <laughs> Stop trying to pull it out of me. <sighs> Listen, at this point, our hope is and trust is in, in God. By the way, did anyone else think it was the perfect rapture moment? Like confusion, world watching, boom. God's not taking my suggestions. It's like Thursday night. (laughs) Right now. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't happen. Listen, we need to remember that our our hope and our trust is in God. And pretty soon, everything that we know will be, it will be gone and we won't remember. You know, one of the greatest things about heaven is we won't necessarily remember anything of 2020 in heaven. Be like, what was COVID. We often excuse ourselves from what Jesus said here because we don't consider ourselves rich. And yet in the United States of America, we are. We do live in a nation that is amazing in its abundance. And it's very easy to be satisfied with this life and yet not long for the next. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes, you know, it's going so quick. The longing for it, I was was thinking, Lord, maybe that's exactly what you're doing because we could go, woo we won, but then we're not longing for heaven. Could be. I don't know. I just thought it was quite interesting. Amen? (laughs) No election ever has been like this in our nation's history. I told you I wasn't going to talk about it. Now, Jesus says here, for it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Don't read commentaries who talk to you about the camel gate is this gate, it was old. No, Jesus actually means a camel through the eye of a needle. Now, Gail Irwin tells us this very easily. You can do it. You just got to grind them up real fine. (laughs) Going to take a while. What Jesus was doing was making a juxtaposition. You know what the word is. He was making this point that you've got this really big animal that it's impossible to go through this eye of the needle. He goes, but the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Isn't that wonderful? He, makes this, he doesn't say that no rich man will get into heaven. He just says it, it's an impediment to getting to heaven. And you have to be very careful. Now, in verse 26, I know I jumped, but he he says, the crowd says, (laughs) who could be saved then? Because in that day, as we've all talked about, the Jews believed wealth equaled a blessing from God. They were amazed. These disciples are like, listen, if somebody who is rich can't get in, who can get in? Remember the words of Paul the Apostle in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me read it to you. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which uh, drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils for which some have strayed from the faith In their greediness and pierce themselves with many sorrows. That's what the Bible says. So they say, Well, who can be saved? And then he says, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And so, Pete, we could not have a a conversation without Peter. Peter's like, Yeah, but we've left everything to follow you. You know what Pete just said? When are we getting ours? Now, don't beat him up. They're all thinking that. He just communicated it. Why? Because they think that the Messiah has come to kick the Romans out and to establish David's reign on planet Earth. Of course, they're going to say, When are we going to get ours? Because that is the mindset of the Jew of the day. Again, This blessing from God equals riches. They don't realize that Jesus has come to be the suffering lamb to take away the sins of the world, even though he said that. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, in verse 29, he said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parent, brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this present age and the age to come. Pete, you'll be taken care of. God is no debtor to man. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of everybody else that is left what the world says is important. He will, he will take care of us. I think when we get to heaven uh, and you're receiving your reward and you're having that one-on-one conversation with, with Jesus, just you and him at the Bema seat, I think you and I, are, our minds are going to be so blown. You know, the passage, it says that he wipes away all of our tears. Why does it say that if, if we're not going to be weeping? I think, it, I think it's going to be time that we will, will literally break down in front of God and say, God, please, I'm so sorry I didn't do what you asked me to do. And then he's going to say, yeah, but uh, enter into the kingdom of the Lord forever. And then you're going to say, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this crown. I'm not worthy of that house that you prepared for me. I'm not worthy of anything. I know you don't want to see me hold that water for another 30 minutes. We're going to be blown away by what God blesses us with in heaven. That is something to look forward to. And this third rock from the sun is going to be burnt up. And the problem is we put our attention Onto this rock rather than the rock, Jesus. Well, verse 31, and then he took the 12 aside, and any time he takes the 12 aside, this side, you know what's going to happen. They're not going to understand a lick of what he's saying. <laughs> but remember, he said this many times to this point. He has told them multiple times why he is going to Jerusalem. Multiple times. That's why when you read it on Sunday, the resurrection, you're like, why is nobody getting it there? Some of the women may have had some kind of understanding, but I don't think fully. And yet he tells them again, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. They're thinking we're going up to Jerusalem, and he's going to punch punches Pilate out. That's not what's happening. Notice, for the Son of Man will be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and be insulted and spit upon. No Jew thought that Messiah would ever be treated in this fashion. They can't even comprehend what Jesus is telling them. To be spat upon, to be mocked, to be scourged, and ultimately on the cross... It doesn't compute. There's information that is being put into their head and the the CPU just starts smoking because they've never been taught that. They don't look at Isaiah 53 like we do. They don't see. They see King David. They see Solomon in all of his glory. They see, see Josiah. They see a massive kingdom coming back. They don't see somebody. And I would love to see the camera view of their faces. What did he just say? Mocked, insulted, and spit upon? Notice, and they will scourge him. We'll get to that at the crucifixion. And they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise again. It it, it just is not working. Notice, but they understood none of these things. They couldn't understand it because of what they've had in the past. Sometimes we have to leave what we've been programmed to think before we can understand the things of God. Guys, it's very hard to live on planet Earth in 2020 with thoughts of evolution, with thoughts of progressivism, relativism. These are all new terms that people have to deal with. When they come and sit down and they look at me and they're like, are you kidding me? That's not what our professors have taught. There's more than two genders. Do you see see that? So when people sit down for the first time, their brain has to be emptied of the things that they've learned from man. And now God's word has to come inside of there and wash it. That's why I love how the Bible says the washing of the water of the world. We are putting in filth and it all has to be cleaned out. man. you ever done that? It, I just did my uh, little uh, walkway into the house, I pressure washing, and I, I did some of the bricks by the side, and it's like, it's amazing. They look new, but you got to get in there, and you got to clean it, and get the filth off, and that's what God's Word does. Well, they didn't understand any of these things. Notice And it was hidden from them because they couldn't really understand and they did not know the things that were spoken. Well, lastly today, let's get to blind Bartimaeus. Again, in all three Gospels, a little different take on all of them. Uh, Matthew is there. Mark is not there, nor Luke is there. But what you need to know is this, and please don't send emails. I'll help you out. There were two Jerichos, the old Jericho, the ruins of that, And then the Romans built a new Jericho, a a, a modern city. So when one gospel says he was coming into Jericho and the other one says he was going out of it, people go, there's a contradiction. We can't believe the Bible because Jesus didn't even know what Jericho he was in. That's what happens. But it's simply coming in of one or going out of one depending on where you are in and around the old or new Jericho. Isn't it amazing to have context and to have an understanding of the area and biblical archaeology? Oh, I love it. Let's take a look at this. Now it happened as he was coming near to Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Now, I think it was Matthew's version or Mark, I don't remember, says there were two of them. It doesn't mean that this is wrong because he doesn't mention the other guy. Maybe blind Bartimaeus is the spokesman for the group. Explanation for it. So they're coming here, and there's a certain blind man. Now, they're going up to the feast, which means this is the route that everybody takes, and this is a good time if you were a beggar. Because as you were going up, these caravans are going up. They're going up to bring offerings to the temple. They have cash with them. They have food with them. And so it's a perfect opportunity for those who are begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, and so they, uh, Bartimaeus, he, he can hear what's going on, passed by. He asked, what does it meant? And so they told him, those who could see, see said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Greek actually says, mercy me. So here's the scene. You've got blind Bartimaeus. Maybe there's other blind guys around. The caravans are coming and he hears something different. (laughs) And I would say it's these 12 disciples that are different. And someone says, it's Jesus. Now, what does he do, church? Does he, does he, hey, Jesus. If you're blind and you're a beggar, you've got to get somebody's attention, right? And you're not going to do it in a quiet, whispering voice. You're going to say, Jesus, Son of David, mercy upon me. Now, Let's put it in context. The phrase, son of David, is a messianic phrase. This is what gets Jesus' attention and stops. (laughs) Don't you love that? You watch the, the times that Jesus stops, and it's because of people's faith? And here, he goes, whoa, there's a Jew calling me Messiah. And that's exactly what it means, son of David, Have mercy upon me. And then those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet. Don't ever be quiet. When you need Jesus, you need him. You cry out to him, no matter what your Facebook friends say that are not really friends. Amen? At the end of the day, it's you and God. It doesn't matter what anyone else says to you, and if you just got saved... People are going to say that you're nuts. Why would you go down? Why would you go to church? (laughs) Let alone a church without mass requirements or anything else. Uh It's all going on right now. They don't love one another. They're not social distancing. Anything to keep you from a relationship with Jesus. Anything that will keep you from having a dialogue with Jesus you think that worked? Those who went before him told him that he would be quiet and that he cried out, what? All the more, son of David, have mercy upon me. And here it is. What will get Jesus to stop? You calling him exactly who he is, which is Messiah, the son of God, the son of the living God who came to take your sins and my sins away. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. (laughs) And don't you want to just see that? So he's over here. Uh, We don't know how far he is. Let's just say he's over here by the brick, crying out, and they're walking. Jesus stops, and he says, bring that guy over here. So the man is led as he would be led most of his life, and he's there right in front of Jesus. And Jesus... Verse 41 makes a simple statement, and it is a statement that God would ask of you if you come to him in this way. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I don't know about you, but I look at everything funny. I'm sorry, that's just who I am. I look at it and go, there's the guys over there going, he's blind. What do you think he wants? Anyone else thinking that or was that me? It's like his buddy who's like lame. He's like, he can't see and I can't walk. But Jesus asks these questions and he really wants to know what do you want? What is the thing that you really want? And he says, Lord, stop. This is Rabboni. This is a term of not only endearment, but it is the same kind of term that he said son of David. This is a messianic term. And the only other time this word is used is when Mary uses it on the Resurrection Sunday. Remember when she says she thinks he's the gardener and she says, where have you laid his body? I'll come and pick it up. And he goes, Mary. And she says, Rabboni. Only two times in the Bible this happens. Two times. And he uses that. And it, he says, Lord, that I might receive my sight, that I might see. What do you want from Jesus today? What is the thing that you really want? Now, I would think that the majority of us right now would just want to go to heaven and be done with 2020. What a great way to end the year. 2020, all this happened, and the rapture happened. <laughs> what do you really want? Well, I want a relationship. I want my marriage to be fixed. I want my kids to obey. I want wealth. I want. This. There are all things that people want, but what do you really want? When Jesus in John 1 When he was talking to Andrew, remember John the Baptist says, follow Jesus. He points these guys to Jesus. And Jesus says to them, what do you seek? What are you looking for? Because let me paraphrase, I'm not the normal run-of-the-mill Savior. Because remember, there are people who have come before Jesus who claim to be Messiah. What are you seeking and what do you want? God knows the desires of your heart, but we have not because we ask not. And oftentimes we say, Lord, you're not giving me the, the... And he says, well, have you asked, for it?" And maybe there are things, as the Bible says, we ask, but we ask amiss because we're asking it for ourselves when really that is not what God has for you. I don't know what he has for you. That's your conversation. What do you want from me? And he says, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Now, your faith is clear because A, he called him the son of David. He calls him uh, uh, by a messianic phrase, but he also says, Lord. He calls him Rabboni, he calls him master, you're my Master and Lord. So automatically, you can see Jesus going, yep, that's, that's the kind of faith that I can work with. This is not health and wealth. If you have enough faith, brother, you'll, can, you can see or be wealthy. No. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Please note with me, and immediately, he received his sight. He didn't just stay in Jericho. He followed him, Glorify. This guy is a one man band behind the twelve apostles. He's glorifying God as they're going now from Jericho to Jerusalem. You're going up, and it's a pretty good hike up. But what a wonderful trip because we we got Zacchaeus later on. But after that, can you? Imagine? He just follows him. Notice, and all the people. When they saw it, because they knew who blind Bartimaeus was, right? You know who the blind guy is. You know who the lame guy is in your town, especially these kind of towns. Then they are going to give God praise. So whatever it is that you were asking, hear this, make sure it is that people can praise God for what he gives you if it isn't then don't ask for it isn't that simple we always want to point people to jesus so whatever he does in our life it should be yes but look at what jesus did in my life i can't believe it praise the lord do you see how that works while he did that for you yes he can do that for you what is it that you want what do you seek? So we end today with this. We had a man who had everything and yet left empty. He had everything that the world had said that you needed to be successful, to have a great career, to be young, to be wealthy, to have power, and yet he left sorrowful because his world was wrapped around this world. And yet, blind Bartimaeus had nothing, and his life revolved on the world to come. And he got a little bit before he left planet Earth. Give blind Bartimaeus a high five. What a great historical account of what Jesus does in two lives. But sadly, there are many who still want the things of this earth. Uh, Come to a place in your own life that, Lord, whatever you have for me, you have for me. Paul says, to be content wherever you are, be content. Nothing wrong with ambition as long as it's godly ambition. as long as Lord, it is in your will and your timing. When you pray for somebody, especially healing i I, I do this, maybe you don't have to do this, but it is a, a good kind of thing to do is listen, Lord, in your timing and in your will, I just want it in because Listen, it may be that that illness or whatever drags out a little bit further so that the doctor, the nurse, that person, they can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We want all healing and all power from God right now. How many of you get really upset when your Wi-Fi is slow? Does anybody remember the day of the dial-up modem? Kids, there was a phone, you used to hold it like this, and there was this modem thing that you put the phone on, and it made this dial-up noise, and that's how you got onto the internet, and if you wanted to look like uh, National Geographic, a a camel, it took 35 days to download. You'd get it. It just, you know... we want things right now. We live, I'm sorry, we live in a world where I was sitting there. We just got uh, the cable company in our, in our neighborhood, brought in fiber optic, which was wonderful. And as they were doing it, you know, they had to take us off one network. And I'm sitting there going, I don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> and my cellular stinks in my house. And I am like, man, I couldn't even just sit there for 15 minutes till the guy finished. We want everything now. We want God's blessing now. We want healing now. And listen, how long did blind Bartimaeus sit there in Jericho until Jesus came? Sometimes patience is exactly what God is trying to teach us. And sometimes what God is trying to teach us is that somebody else that you don't even know yet is going to come to a saving knowledge of Christ through your life and through your event. But what I would encourage you is to have the heart of blind Bartimaeus who calls him Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these two examples, two extremes, that, Lord, that we wouldn't be religious like the rich young ruler trying to keep the law trying to keep these things that we know ultimately in our sinful flesh we will fail. Lord, would you point out that one area like the rich young ruler had covetousness? Would you point that out into our hearts even as we are sitting here today? That we would hand that over to you? That we would be honest with you and not dishonest? That we would cry out to you like blind Bartimaeus? What is it that you're seeking? What do you want from God? through Arrowwood, through even this election, that you would receive the glory both now and forever. Lord, we're just on the ride, and we pray, Lord, that your return is soon. We pray all these things in your time, in your will, as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for a sweet time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.